We draw our scripture from the second chapter of the Gospel of John, beginning at the first verse and concluding at the 11th. Hear now God's good news for us today. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, The wine has run out. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, "My, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine, after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best until now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm going to preach this morning on the theme when the wine runs Well, church, I think it's safe to say that we are well into spring. Now, I know it's Indiana, and that means that a blizzard could still come tomorrow. But at least for today, it's spring. And recently, Bonnie, I read an article that indicated that most people look for new jobs when the weather changes. That with the change of seasons, people begin to contemplate changes in their professions and imagine themselves in new roles and new responsibilities. And on this Mother's Day weekend, this article made me wonder what it might look like to apply for the position of mother. And apparently I'm not the only one who's wondered as one hiring agency posted the following job description. Wanted mother. Applicants apply at your own risk. Position overview. Long-term team player needed for challenging and permanent work in an often chaotic environment. Candidates must possess excellent communication and organizational skills and be willing to work 24-hour shifts every weekday and every weekend for the rest of your life. (laughs) Core competencies. 
must provide janitorial, nutritional, emotional, spiritual, and physical support for all team members, must provide these services even when hated, at least temporarily, or until someone needs $5, (laughs) must be willing to bite tongue, must be willing to respond with surprise when someone says, watch this, mom, and and demonstrates the same action for the 846th time must possess the physical stamina of a pack mule and the sacrificial heart of a canonized saint. Technical abilities must handle assembly and product safety testing of a half million cheap plastic toys and battery-operated devices, must have thick skin for stepping on said small plastic cheap toys, and for verbal attacks typically experienced by team members between the ages of 13 and 16 years of age. Must screen phone calls, maintain calendars, and coordinate production of multiple homework projects often shared 24 hours before they are due. (laughs) Must always hope for the best, but be prepared for the worst. Must assume final authority and accountability for the quality at the end of the product. Previous experience? None needed. (laughs) On-the-job training offered on a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants basis. Now here's the best part, wages and compensation. You pay them! (laughs) Offering frequent raises and bonuses for excellent performance reviews. Now note that a balloon payment will be due when team members reach 18 years of age under the assumption that they will go to college to become financially independent. This cannot be guaranteed, nor will monies invested be returned. Upon your permanent exit from the company, you will transfer all of your assets to younger team members. And please note that this reverse salary scheme is an oddity. But you will enjoy it. You'll enjoy it so much that you wish you could only do it more. Interested? Find an equally insane person and become a mother. Now you may laugh, but any person here who has mothered, and not just biologically, I'm talking about any and all mother figures who have taken on the responsibility of nurturing other humans. You know how accurate this job description is. You know that as rewarding, beautiful, and edifying as motherhood may be, it's also thankless, difficult, and leaves us feeling empty. Empty because of everything that must be given, everything that must be poured out, everything that must be sacrificed in order to do it well. And it's that feeling of emptiness that drew me to the second chapter of the Gospel of John, where we interrupt another mother who's just trying to do her job and fill someone's cup. Here, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is attending a family wedding in the small village of Cana in Galilee. And her son Jesus and his disciples are also guests at the wedding. And at some point, 
point, Mary discovers that the wine has run out. And so she shares this news with Jesus. Now, when we read this, we can't help but wonder why. In fact, when our church group visited Cana in the Holy Land, we discovered that even now it's a small place with an even smaller population of people. There's no tall buildings. There's no big downtown. There's no real landmarks to speak of. And yet, it's here in this unimportant place at a seemingly unimportant event that Mary asked Jesus to perform a miracle. And at first, even Jesus doesn't get it. After all, what does a steady supply of wine have to do with the Savior of the world? This doesn't seem spiritually significant or the kind of priority that the Son of God should be paying attention to. But maybe, maybe that's the point. Maybe there isn't anything in our lives, anything in our faith, anything in our families that is too insignificant to bring to God's attention. Perhaps Mary is teaching us the first lesson that we learn from this text. And that is that we can take any and all of our challenges, no matter how small, no matter how important, we can take them to Jesus. And this This is a salient reminder today because motherhood is so exhausting and demanding that we can begin to believe that there are parts of it that just aren't that important to God. Parts of it that we need to just push down, push through, and get through all by ourselves. But allow me to speak to the heart of every mother, grandmother, godmother, foster mother, adoptive mother, and spiritual mother, you can bring it all to Jesus. You can bring the colic that has you looking more like a monster than a mother. You can bring the milestones that the doctor says aren't being met. You can bring the teenager who thinks they know it all. And the three-nager who really thinks they know it all. You can bring the timeouts, the talking back, and the talking twos. You can bring the report cards, the NWEA, I-STEP, and I-LEARN scores. You can bring the college acceptances, the rejections, and the wait lists. You can bring the financial aid, the tuition, and the I don't know how this is going to get paid. You can bring the boyfriends, the girlfriends, and why are you even friends? You can bring the yes. I had those rules when you were young, but now I'm a grandma and I will do whatever I want. You can bring it all to Jesus. Because you see, Jesus' first miracle takes place in a backyard wedding so that we might invite Jesus into the backyard of our own lives. The insignificant places, the the unimportant situations, the ones we think are too minuscule or mundane, those are the things that we can bring 
to Jesus. And so perhaps, perhaps the critical question that God has for every mother and mothering figure this Sunday morning is what do you need to bring to me? What have you been holding on to that you need to hand over? Because Jesus is saying to someone today, yes, you can bring this. Yes, you can bring that. Yes, you can bring them. Yes, you can bring it all to me. For there is nothing too unimportant, nothing too insignificant that you can't bring it to Jesus. And I know that sounds good this Mother's Day weekend, but but some of us may be thinking, what if? What if I don't have the words to express my worry? What if I can't articulate my anxiety? What if I can't even explain what I'm going through to myself? How am I going to explain it to Jesus? Well, here's the second lesson that we learn from this text. That when we bring our need to Jesus, we don't have to. In fact, we don't have to say much at all. Just watch this in the text. Mary notices at this backyard wedding in Cana that the jars of wine are empty. And she brings this to Jesus' attention by saying five words. The wine has run out. Notice she doesn't tell him anything else after that. She doesn't tell him what to do. She doesn't tell him how to handle it. She doesn't wait for a clear indication that he is going to do anything at all. She simply brings her message to Jesus. And Jesus starts to move. Okay, let me see if I can make this a little more clear. I was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan to a mother named Gwendolyn. Skinny Gwen was her nickname growing up. Sorry, Mom, if you're watching, you know it's true. And while she wasn't a very big person, she has a very big presence. She she is loving, she is kind, she is sacrificial, she is nurturing, but she also means what she says when she says it. And she would back up what she said with what we might describe as Old school parental disciplinary techniques. Now, I believe that most of them are illegal today, but they kept me and my four siblings in line. Now, despite the fact that Skinny Gwenny, my mother, has this this really big presence, every now and then, we, we tested the validity of this truth. Okay, let me be honest. I... I tested the validity of this truth. And one of those tests was my desire to wear Daisy Dukes. Now, every generation has some fashion trends that parents just don't agree with. And I have found that Daisy Dukes come up every 10 years, but under some different name. You may know them as hot pants or or short shorts. My husband calls them felony fashion. 
Because if one of our daughters is wearing them and some man were to look at her, he says he would catch a felony. But you see, whatever you call them, when I was growing up, they were called Daisy Duke. Shorts that came up to here, shorts that were really just denim underwear. I wanted to wear them, and I wanted to wear them with my friends. And so I asked my mother, Mom, can, can, can I get a pair of, of Daisy Dukes? And my mother said to me, no. <laughs> Now, uh, Jeff, actually, she preceded the word no with a noun that is synonymous with the place of eternal damnation. (laughs) But for the purposes of the story, I'll just say she said no. She said no. Now, hearing her unequivocal no, I did what any child would do. I went to my dad. Because my dad, like many other dads, is allergic to shopping. He hated it so much that when he would take us to the mall, he would find that comfy place, you know, in the center where all the other dads are that hate shopping. He would give us money, tell us to go into the store, buy what we wanted, hurry up, and come back out. And get this, he would never even look in the back. And so, I thought I was slick. I told my dad I needed new school clothes, and he took me to the mall. I bought my Daisy Dukes, and I went home with my mother and father, none the wiser. Now, I wasn't a complete idiot. When I put them on, I timed it just right so that my mother would be away. And I wore them one Thursday afternoon to my friend's house. Now, I don't mean that I just wore them. I I walked in them. I, I strutted in them down the street like I was the star in my own music video. I was strutting so hard that I did not hear my mother's car pull up next to me. And when she rolled down her window, I had an immediate asthma attack. Except I don't have asthma. And my mother, coolly, calmly, and collectively, said five words. You are wearing those shorts. Just those five words, Julia, initiated a series of immediate actions that rectified the problem. She didn't have to say much more to make me move. She didn't have to be explicit in what she expected to make me move. She didn't have to provide further instruction, explanation, or rationale to make me move. Can I help somebody today? You think I'm talking about denim shorts, but I'm talking about divine cause and effect. Because when you bring your concern, when you bring your need, when you bring your emptiness to God, you don't have to say much to make Jesus move. You don't have to have all the answers, but Jesus will answer. You don't have to know how Jesus is going to work it out. You don't have to know what Jesus is going to do. You don't have to know how Jesus is going to handle it. You just have to let him know. The wine has run out. Because you see, just a few words from you make the Son of God move. 
just a few words from you make the creator of the universe move. Just a few words from you make the savior of the world miraculously move on your behalf. And I don't know about you, but that's good news. We could end the sermon right there, give mom her flowers and go to brunch because it comforts us. The idea that we can bring anything to Jesus, it it comforts us that we don't have to have the right message to make Jesus move. But it wouldn't be the gospel if it just comforted us, but it didn't challenge us. Because you see, the last lesson that we learn from this text is what is required for us to receive God's response. Mary says five words to Jesus, and then she turns to the servants and she says five more words. Do whatever he tells you. Now don't miss this. What Jesus tells the servants to do doesn't make any sense. He tells them to fill the water jars that are reserved for ritual purification that are twice the size of the wine jugs. They've already run out of wine, and yet he's asking them to fill jugs that are even larger than what they already don't have. These instructions are ridiculous. They defy reason, they defy ritual, and they just don't make sense any sense. But maybe that's what God is trying to teach some mother, some father, some disciple here today. That the gap between what we need from God and how God responds is our willingness to do whatever. Because if we want Jesus to fill the empty barrels in our lives, we have to ask ourselves, am I willing to do whatever? Am I willing to walk into that liminal space where reason runs out and trust begins? Am I willing to surrender my will and my way to whatever Jesus says do? Now, I don't know how you might answer those questions. But I do know what happens when we're willing to do whatever. God gives us something bigger and better than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. And don't just take my word for it. Take John's word for it. For he tells us that when the servants do whatever Jesus says, when they follow his instructions by filling these six jars with water, they are miraculously transformed into wine. And get this, not just enough wine to make it through the wedding. No, biblical commentators estimate that these jars could hold 180 gallons or approximately 2,880 cups, which would not only supply the rest of this wedding, but the wedding after that, and the wedding after that, and the wedding after that, and the wedding after that. 
Because you see, when we are willing to do whatever, God is always willing to do miraculously more. Jesus won't just refill your empty cup. No, he he will pour into your face, into your family, into your children until you overflow with more blessings and more grace and more love and more mercy and more miracles than you can hold. And if that wasn't good enough, Jesus not only makes it bigger, Jesus makes it better. For the banquet master lifts a cup of this new wine to his lips and he says, everyone brings out the best wine first. The the Dom Perignon, the Chateau Saint-Michel. Then after the guests have had too much to drink, then they bring out the the Boone's Farm and the boxed wine. This, This is the NCG translation. But you, you have saved the best Until now. Because you see, it's not enough for God to just give us more. God gives us the best. So the next time that the wine runs out, and it will, the next time that that you feel depleted, Remember that you can bring it to Jesus. You don't have to say too much to make him move. But you do have to be willing to do whatever. Because when you do, Jesus will bless you with bigger and better until you overflow. (laughs) 